You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Today we have professional human and real-life adult, Lise Wilcox. Okay, wait a second. I didn't even ask if that's how I pronounce your name right. Is that it? That, you're right. No, you're okay. right. <laughs> All good. Should have asked that before. Okay. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Today we have professional human and real-life adult, Lise Wilcox, with us. Lise helps people find clarity in what they want, confidence in who they are, and the courage to stay true to both. A passionate speaker dynamic thought leader, writer, NLP mindset coach, podcast host, taco enthusiast, cancer survivor, and mom of three, her entire experience has been about coming home to her truest self and to call herself beloved. Lise teaches audiences to turn the difficult and ugly into something purposeful and beautiful using a process she calls emotional alchemy. She genuinely believes that changing the world starts by making the changes we want to see within ourselves first. Her intention is to guide people to come home to themselves, giving them permission to live authentically. Lise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited you're here and I'm really excited to learn how does one become a professional human? (laughs) Well, you have to go through the school of hard knocks and you learn a lot of lessons along the way. And basically after they tie one hand behind your back and throw a blindfold on, you realize you're still fighting. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's like the Coles Notes version. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've got more professional humans than we realize. Yeah, I think we do. I think we really do. And what about a real life adult? I mean, it's a pleasure to meet a real life adult because I've been wondering (laughs) if that's possible. I mean, I think that's what we're all in the process of figuring out, right? Is like, how do we do this? And I'm personally, I still sometimes find myself in times of like chaos or crisis when I'm like, oh my gosh, I like, I got to ask a grown up what to do. And then I look around the room and I have this startling realization that that grown up is me and I'm the one who has to solve the problem. <laughs> so I, I do so many things. I mean, when you were reading my bio, I was like, I, I got to pare this down, but I do so many things that I have typically lumped them all under this umbrella category of being a professional human and a real life adult. I think that, um, you know, when I am doing life and mindset coaching for executives, we focus so much on emotional awareness and emotional intelligence, which is really just understanding the human condition and kind of how to game our own system. Mm. So that's really how that (laughs) title came to be. I love it. And I'm definitely going to want to touch on that emotional intelligence piece. But before we do, you bring up a really good point that a lot of people in my network are I wouldn't say struggling with necessarily, but are definitely curious about how to wrap their minds around the fact that they do so much stuff and not even just do it, but they're good at it. They're making money from it. They're able to build a life by being multi-passionate, multi-talented. And everyone these days seems to be, if they're proactive, tapping into the fact Mm -hmm. that they can actually do multiple things. They can be more than one thing. Gone are the days of just having one title. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, even you in reading or in hearing back your 
while you're like, wow, there's a lot that I do, but how do you, <laughs> how have you been able to bring that to market as a brand? Well, you know, to be very honest, it's, it's taken some time to craft and I'm still in the process of refining it. And I think that's part of the entrepreneurial experience is continuously um, reflecting back in and checking on what exactly are your strengths, gifts, and abilities, and how specifically are you aiming to serve your market? And then even further, what's the balance of those or what's the, what's the blend of that looking mm-hmm. like, right? I think that so many of us, I mean, I do have three kids. I watch the, the school system that they go through. Many of us came through the same education system, which is really outdated. Like we really have this industrial model of schooling that teaches you to become middle management. And as we are quickly learning, especially at the time we're recording this, like middle management virtually doesn't exist. Mm. And we're preparing generations of kids for jobs that will not, they won't even be real jobs anymore by the time they graduate. And I think instead what we are seeing in our own professional lives and what we're going to start shifting into education wise, I hope, is this preparation that, you know, we are multidimensional beings. We're not good at one thing. We don't pick a track and stay there for 25 years, get the company watch and then retire. Like that's just not our reality anymore, right? Right. We have to be so much more creative about how we're creating our path and our market. And I think how we're, I don't know, my passion is like, how do we really capitalize on our very unique natural abilities and find a way to let that, um, or find a way to use them so that we can really show up fully in our business, our life, and in our relationships. I love that so much in particular because there's a lot of people when they hear the fact that today's jobs will not be around as we know them today in maybe as little as five years. It's a scary thought for a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. what we often lose sight of is the opportunity that comes with that. Just because things are changing doesn't mean that they cannot evolve for the better. And some of the jobs that we have today, you think about social media managers that didn't exist when we were in school. That didn't exist five years ago. Right. You know, I I know that because I ran a boutique creative agency and we didn't even know we were social media management until we were really in it and nobody wanted to pay for it because they didn't understand how important it was. And that was honestly, that was four and a half years ago. That's insane. Yeah. So you're someone who's super passionate about emotional intelligence, which is really Mm -hmm. kind of the undercurrent of everything that you do, all the Mm -hmm. content you create, the value that you bring. And you talk about emotional alchemy, which sounds Mm -hmm. fascinating. I would love to know more (laughs) about what that is. So it's a term that I use to describe the process of taking something really dark, heavy, uncomfortable, maybe a little bit scary, and transforming it into something that is light, airy, golden, uniquely your own, and even beautiful. And I kind of came up with that because I had looked back at all of these significant formative events in my life, which was like a a very abusive childhood, a very painful divorce, a crazy spontaneous breast cancer diagnosis at age 36 that resulted in four months of aggressive chemotherapy and a double mastectomy. And I would look back in hindsight to see how I had navigated each of those really like pivotal and painful moments. And at every opportunity, 
there was some kind of driving force within me, like this relentlessly optimistic force that had shown me how to take what was really uncomfortable and turn it into something that became really purposeful. And my favorite book incidentally is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in my living room, you know, kind of in the middle of processing what cancer would mean. And I just thought like, oh my God, this is emotional alchemy. This is exactly what I'm doing. And so, you know, I love to help educate people on how to take those experiences that are uncomfortable, that do suck, that are very damaging in a lot of ways. Or, and it doesn't even have to be a very significant trauma. It just has to be something that, you know, you weren't planning for, you weren't prepared for. I love to teach people how to shift their perspective, reframe what they're actually looking at and pull out the many, many, many ways in which that actually serves a purpose and how you can capitalize on that purpose to really make it your own and move you forward in a very healthy way. I love that, especially because we're in a time where the term authenticity is thrown out. It's a buzzword. It's overused, but it is never been marked, right? But it's never been more essential. And there are people who are, you know, they really have that drive. They have the hunger. They have the desire to help and to serve and to create and to be something bigger. And they don't know where they fit. And Mm -hmm. what I love about your story is that there was actually, you know, this being the catalyst show that there was that catalyst where you can pinpoint and say it clicked. When yes. it is emotional alchemy and it kind of just unfolded from there. And so yes. how do you, how do you work with someone who is wondering, where do I find my place? What is my unique voice? What can I offer that isn't being offered? How do you kind of yes. unravel that? Well, one of my greatest natural talents and my greatest natural strengths is to act as a mirror for people. So, you know, we really will sit over the phone and just have a conversation. I'll ask some questions, but more importantly, I will listen. Like I will really listen to what they're saying. I will synthesize it in a way and reflect it back to them. And I honestly, it's so funny. Most of the time, all I do is just synthesize what they've said, Mm -hmm. repeat it back to them. And they're like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about, about it that way. And I'm like, it literally just told you what you told me. <laughs> you know, I know this from my own, my own experience. When you're so close to it, you can't see it. And so I, you know, maybe I should add professional mirror to my title, but I basically reflect back what I hear from people, what they're saying and start this, start to synthesize, um, you know, patterns. I help them pay attention to the pattern into these repeating um, theme or repeated themes, relationships, whatever it is coming up in their life, we start to notice that pattern. Because I have NLP training or neuro-linguistic programming, I am then further able to guide clients to get down to this subconscious level and almost through like a meditative exercise, help them release where that root cause first happened. So, you know, so many of us are hanging on to outdated narratives that usually came from somebody else, like what somebody told you about yourself to be true. Mm -hmm. And it's usually things like, well, I'm I'm just, I'm 
afraid I'm never going to be enough. I feel very sad. There's like an undercurrent of sadness or, you know, I come from generations of poverty. There's no way I can ever succeed. And so we can get really clear at a subconscious level on what the hell is happening and release it. And then there's this very cool integration process that happens for each and every client where they get some closure there and then they're able to engage their conscious mind so that when they do feel that pain point triggered, they have the rational, emotionally aware skills to be like, oh, hang on a second. I'm not actually afraid that I'm an imposter. What I'm really afraid of is that I'm hearing my stepmom in my head again telling me that I'm, I'm worthless, right? And so it's like this very cool therapeutic blend of coaching to help people kind of like rock their lives. Yeah, no kidding. And so when you're talking about mirroring, is it the subconscious that you're dipping into that comes out in those moments or is it the conscious mind that you are mirroring or a combination of both? It's the conscious mind. I think that, um, you know, one of my keynotes is centered around what I call the vine story. And the short version of that is that each of us have these like seemingly unrelated manifestations of stuff in our lives. Maybe it's like we keep attracting bad relationships or we keep getting into terrible business deals or we keep recruiting or attracting clients that just seem to never pay us. And it feels so frustrating. We're like, as soon as you hear that, why does this keep happening to me? You know, there's something to go deeper with. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to what those patterns are and I listen to the pain points or the vulnerabilities or the frustrations that people are having in business, in life, in love, in parenting, in relationships, I can then take all that conscious awareness and ask the right questions at a subconscious level to release it so that when they, when they come back to like this conscious state, then they can start um, strategizing and troubleshooting from this point forward. I love the mirroring technique. It's one that I learned. So I studied criminology and yeah, didn't stay in the field for very long, but learned so much. And as part of, you know, effective listening, as part of effective communication, it's a technique that we learn very early in our studies. And that has served me so well through my life, through my career, my professional development, and it's interesting, mm. it continues to evolve and be fruitful. I was just watching the Chris Voss masterclass and he's a hostage negotiator and he's turned mm. his hostage negotiation skills to the boardroom and he's now allowing salespeople in on what works to get people to listen to you. And how do we wow. use that to drive sales? How do we use that to build trust? How do we use it to essentially build relationships so that you can put forward a win-win situation? And I just love that it's coming into the business scene with such force when really it's a technique that's been around for so long. That gives me like full body chills because so often, as I'm sure you know, from, you know, every aspect of your own life and every relationship, so often when we come to the table, we're basically coming to the, to the table as our childlike self, right? We're coming in with the unwitting intention that we are going to win this, that we are right, that we have something to prove. You know, when we strip it, I'm like such a fundamentalist. Like when we really strip it down, we're usually showing up to the table with the storyline that we're afraid somebody isn't going to love us or that somebody's going to reject us. And honestly, I think if you trace every like issue or problem that we have, if you really, really keep stripping it back and back and back, I think that's the underlying issue. I'm afraid I'm not going to be rejected. I'm afraid I'm not going to be loved. That's so primal. 
that's like such a primal need to be loved and seen and to feel like you belong, you know, back in the tribal days, if we weren't belonging, we were dead because we didn't have the like social support of somebody who would literally had our back and we were dead. So then think about what a massive trigger that is, that if we're approaching every conversation from a place of like, well, I better win this because otherwise I don't think I'm going to be loved. You can't win in that situation because you can't see the forest through the trees. So I love what you just said, that that's coming into the boardroom more and more about actually just stopping and listening and figuring out what the hell we're actually talking about, right? For sure. There's a lot of unlearning to do. There's a lot of outdated belief systems and preconceived notions of what actually works and what has worked. But the reality is what worked before is not going to work now, especially in the time that we're living in. With everything changing almost daily, we have to be willing to meet people where they're at and we have to be willing to put our guard down. Yeah. And that, and think about again, more chills, like think about that huge shift in how we communicate and that huge shift in intention. Now we're talking about a collaborative, compassionate approach by necessity, not, not as something we need to learn, but as something like we just need to embody and Mm -hmm. like right now, (laughs) you know, not, not next week, but like right now, right. Yesterday, (laughs) (laughs) yesterday would have been ideal. Yeah. So for those who are listening and thinking, you know, yeah, this makes sense, but I just, I've been doing things for so long. It seems Mm -hmm. to be working. Do I really have to change it? Mm -hmm. What advice or insight can you share with them that maybe, maybe the current way is not broken, but it can surely be optimized? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say first and foremost, no, you don't have to change. You know, that's totally your choice. We each have agency over our own lives. Um, I am such an avid rule follower. And I remember meeting somebody a few years ago who was totally the opposite. Like he was like such a bad boy and he, the rules didn't apply <laughs> to him. And, and I remember him telling me like he got away with so much stuff and he was so much fun to be with. He was actually a really good dude. He just kind of didn't play by the rules in a very fun way. And I remember him telling me, he's like, you can do anything you want. And I was like, I can. He's like, yes, as long as you're prepared to deal with the consequences. And that was like a game changer in my own mind for me. You can do anything you want as long as you're prepared to deal with the consequences. So Mm. if somebody is just going along, kind of sleepwalking through their own life, it's kind of working. They're in a relationship where, you know, it's all right. Like they've got a job that they they're cool with. You can do that. But the fundamental, um, like philosophy here is that nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm -hmm. So if it does start to feel like you're sleepwalking through your life and you do start to have those little subtle call outs at first that maybe you're starting to alert your attention to there might be something more. If you look at somebody else's success or relationship or lifestyle and it starts to make you angry, that's a very good or like jealous or resentful, whatever it is. If you start to feel those really negative emotions mirrored back to you, that's a pretty good sign that the way you're living doesn't actually feel aligned with your values. Mm-hmm. And when we feel like we are out of alignment with our values, things don't feel good. Sure, 
we can drink more. Sure, we can smoke another cigarette. Sure, we can kind of have a risque conversation with somebody else on text that nobody ever needs to know about. Like, sure, you can do that. But when you start reaching for all those kinds of external things, that's another very good indicator that there's something on the inside that is calling for your attention and does need to be changed. So yes, by all means, if your life is working for you and that's kind of good enough for you, sure, do that. If you're starting to get that feeling of like, I'm not really sure this is exactly what I'm meant to do. I kind of feel there's more for me. I don't know what it is. Then I think that's the time to start reaching out to a professional who can start help you um, like, you know, we'll go criminology on this, start to like forensically identify (laughs) all these patterns in your life to help you make the change. Side note, Forensic Files, one of my favorite shows ever. (laughs) (laughs) I took sociology at school, but every single elective I took was criminology. And full disclosure, because I love crime TV, and I would like just do every essay and every research project on another crime show. So I'm like, this is very dear to my heart. (laughs) Right? And you're like, this is learning. This is hard learning. learning. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So what you mentioned is really important because you say, you know, when you start to recognize these things, when you see these triggers, when you see these flags, there's an indicator to go deeper there. There's an indicator that there's something beneath the surface, but that in and of itself requires some emotional intelligence, being willing to listen inward, being open to seeing those signs. And so deciding to dig into that a little Mm -hmm. deeper, whether it's with a professional or perhaps at first, just your own curiosity, it Mm -hmm. requires courage and a willingness to answer some tough questions. You were talking about, you know, resentment and fear and like voluntarily digging into those, you know, that you're probably going to be up against some hard decisions, ultimately Mm -hmm. going to make some changes. And so how do you, or how do you help your clients or both mentally prepare for that kind of journey? Personally, I have gotten a lot better at it because once you do it once, it's like fear is the scariest part of anything, right? Mm -hmm. So once you do something that is hard and you overcome that challenge, it creates the actual conscious example that our subconscious brain needs to understand we did something scary and we're still alive because that's what fear is. Like, first of all, all of our feelings are just feedback. When we have a feeling, it just alerts us to the fact that something still needs to be healed or something just needs our attention. So when you can detach from like, oh my gosh, I'm in it. I just like, I feel so terrible (laughs) and actually observe, oh, well, this is interesting. This seems to be what resentment feels like, or this seems to be what panic feels like. When you can start to um, observe what your feelings are, then you can start to pay attention to what that, um, that actual feedback is that you're getting. And our subconscious's job is to perceive fear so that it can keep us safe. The problem is it can't tell the difference between a bear chasing us down or, you know, public speaking or leaving our marriage. It, It sounds or getting a new shifting in our career, pivoting, asking for more, whatever it is. It can't tell the difference. It just perceives it to be fear and it changes our physiological reaction. So when we can start to detach from that emotional process and just really casually observe what's happening, that's when we can start to cultivate this courage of like, hang on, the story I'm telling myself is that I'm going to die, but that's not true. What's actually happening is that I just have to have a really difficult conversation. So here's how I'm going to mentally prepare for that. It's like this constant engagement with the subconscious and conscious mind to be like, what is happening? 
what is the story I'm telling myself? Is that story true? And then how do I go from there? You know, yesterday I had a client who, I, I have a lot of small business clients and she's somebody who had to talk to her landlord about lowering the rent on her business because mm-hmm. guess what? She can't run her business right now. And she was really freaked out about it. So all we had to do was go through that. All right. So what is the story you're telling yourself here? Is that story true? Okay. How can we start to mentally prepare you? We're going to do strategy X, Y, and Z, write that down in front of you. And, you know, here's some other mindfulness exercises or like getting into power pose, whatever it is so that you can handle it. And suddenly you start to realize that you are actually in the driver's seat. Your conscious brain can kick in and start to coach you through whatever it is, whatever that hard thing is, because you're deciding to do so. So once you do that once, it gets easier. Once you do it five times and you do go through this, like, you know, master's degree of the school of hard knocks, it's like, it it gets easier and easier because you're like, no, hang on a second. I know that I've done hard things before and I know that I can do this again. So big breath here we go. Like initialize sequence. Here we go. Yeah. And do you find you're still training your brain and finding yourself in those situations where you're going through those questions and saying, what is the story I'm telling myself? Is this true? Okay. Yes, very much so. And you know, my situation is maybe unique, maybe it's not, but I had such an emotionally abusive childhood that I was diagnosed with PTSD as an adult. So Mm -hmm. even so, despite like, you know, my own training, my own coaching, my own therapy that I've pursued, there's still deep vulnerabilities that I experience. And I now know when I get those triggers, especially during a very difficult time, you know, like the crisis we're in right now, those vulnerabilities come up for me. And it takes a lot of focus and a lot of mental discipline to shift out of like, this sounds really weird, but it's true. Sometimes our pain feels very pleasurable, right? Like sometimes that feeling of melancholy or despair, it's so comfortable to us that we want to stay there. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of discipline to be like, hang on a second. What are you actually feeling in this moment? Is that really true? Or could it potentially be an offshoot of something that happened way, 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 way long time ago? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a hundred percent of the time that is true. I still have to coach myself through that. Um, it's such an ongoing process that yes, gets easier, but it's not like one day that you're magically healed. It's just that one day you're magically able to cope so much better than you were able to cope before. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super interested to know how you pull these practices or lessons through in parenting. Mm, that's a really cool thing. And it's, that's probably one of my proudest achievements, if you can call it an achievement, is that, you know, I raised my three little girls on my own um, with so many of these naturally empowered messages. Mm-hmm. You know, the the fundamental tenet of our house is that all you have to do is be you and I love you unconditionally. There's literally nothing you could do that would make me not love you. You know, I'm firm, but I'm kind. They have a very clear parameter of what to expect, what is expected. We're so openly communicative. And my kids are like nine, seven, and seven. And in that very short period of time, they've gone through a divorce, several moves, um, cancer, and now COVID-19, right? Like these kids understand adversity and they're so resilient because of the way I've been able to break down every single event and just break it down into very bite-sized, 
very informed, but very age appropriate pieces of information that give them what they need, Mm -hmm. give them like a big picture understanding of what they need to know as it pertains to their own life and nothing else. The magic thing about that is that when I have, as I have done that for them and I start to break it down and do these, these little like tiny chunks of information, it makes me even better able to cope because I'm like, oh, all we're doing is shaving my head today. That's not scary. You know, when you're like, well, you're going to lose all your hair. That's so scary. But it's like, we're having a head shaving party and we're going to have a bunch of people over and a bunch of snacks and some cool music. It's like, oh, I'm really jazzed for this. I can't wait to get my head shaved. You know? like, and, and you kind of trick yourself into it. But th- that's what emotional alchemy is. It's accepting, like deeply accepting the fact that, wow, this is happening. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily prepared for it. I sure as hell didn't want it, but it's happening now. So what do I do with it? How can I bring joy to this? How can I make this my own? How can I make this not a soul sucking experience, but something I can look back on and feel really proud of and something I can look back on and feel very purposeful about. All of that messaging is how I'm raising my own kids. Now, when they're teenagers, let's touch base and see how, see how I did. But certainly in like the early years, it's going very well. Oh, I'm happy to hear it. And I think it's so beautiful because that's all they'll know. Yeah. That's what they're growing up with. That's the principles. That's the beliefs that in Mm -hmm. themselves, but also in the world that they're, you know, that's the expectation that they're going to have of people is to show up wholeheartedly is to be yourself and to appreciate others for who they are, which I think is, is a really beautiful thing. Thank you. And to know very intimately that people make mistakes, you know, there's Mm. no, there's no, like, I'm an adult. I know what's best for you. I mean, sometimes there's, I'm an adult. I know what's best (laughs) for you, but, but so much of it, like if I, if I do, or I should say when I make a mistake, I'm so open and I'll be like, I'm so sorry. Like I was really short with my temper. I'm feeling this way. And that it doesn't make it okay for me to express it like that, but Mm. I'm really sorry that I communicated in that way to you. And like, there's so much openness. There's no ego. It's just so much about like, we are just living a human experience and we're doing it together. So how do we make it like a really wonderful experience together? And I think there's a real lesson there in times of crisis as well. It's like, Mm. there's just no time for ego. There's no place for it. (laughs) Yeah. There's no yeah. place for it. And the more we can be encouraged to really check it at the door, the more we are able to show up authentically, the more we are able to connect and be vulnerable with each other and understand that we're all just trying to figure this out. Yes. yes. And that's like, this is, one, this is one of the great mysteries and secrets of life revealed. Mm. we're all just figuring it out, you know, like we're all just figuring it out. Nobody's winning here. Nobody's losing here. It's just a matter of like, we're just figuring this out. And when I use my gifts to show up in the best way that I can, and you use your specific gifts to show up in the best way that you can, and 7.3 billion other people in the world do that exact same thing, we're not competing anymore. No, we are showing magic. up a very collaborative. It's amazing. There's no more threat. It's like, this is the kind of stuff that actually has, you know, when dinosaurs went from being land animals to water animals, they had to adapt and get gills. Like that's what humans are doing right now. We're going through this like actual conscious shift of developing these social gills that teach us to live in a brand new environment in a brand new way that sounds crazy, that feels painful. And it's like, guys, it's happening. Like we're in it right now. Yeah. It's an evolution. It is. Yeah. So your first book to call myself beloved is coming out in the fall of 2020. I want to know 
what we can expect because even in this short conversation, like I just can't get enough. So what is the book about? <laughs> it's about this. So thank you very much. I'm really excited about it. It's been like three years in the making wow. and, um, it's so funny, you know, you can't write a book. I wasn't ready to write it three years ago. It was a mental thing for me, but three years later, I was so much more ready and it's such a better book than it would have been three years ago. But um, yeah, it's called To Call Myself Beloved, A Story of Hope, Healing, and Coming Home to Yourself. And it is effectively the user's manual I was looking for to figure out how to do this. Like, how the hell do I do this? There have been so many moments in my life where I'm just like, no, for real. Like, how do I do this? I don't know how. This book is the how. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I took the thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars I invite I invested in my own coaching, my own therapy, my own healing mod modalities, my own bender of shopping for vintage jackets, and I took it and I put it all into this very handy user's manual. Um, it's broken into three sections. So basically, understanding where you're coming from, making peace with where you are, and strategizing how you're going to go forward. Each mm. of those sections is, in, is informed with a personal essay that kind of contextualizes where my authority and expertise is coming from and really frames, you know, if I can overcome X, Y, and Z, oh, honey, you can do anything. <laughs> you can overcome anything. Um, it's very much written like, and I was saying to my publisher, I don't know if this is going to be the worst thing she's ever read or the best thing she's ever read. It's very, <laughs> it very much reads like a long Instagram post. It's like a 200 page Instagram post. It's this very Lise Wilcox language. It feels like I'm speaking, I think it's intended that I'm speaking just to you and it should feel more like a natural conversation that invites you to go deeper and has a little levity in it as well. For what it's worth, I went through the same process when I was writing and publishing my book. <laughs> and honestly, I was like, if just one, if this resonates with just one person, you know, yes. then I've done my job and it is yes. very conversational and I am sassy and I'm sarcastic and I drop yes. the odd swear word. <laughs> yes, And it really, it reads the way I speak. It reads the way that I show up and the people who follow you, the people who are invested in your story and the people who are going to be stumbling upon it for the first time, yeah. it's actually a beautiful thing for them to then connect with you on other platforms and see, oh, you're indeed the same person. Yeah. Yeah. And it lands because when people feel like you're talking to them, as opposed to trying to just hit them over the head with knowledge yeah. and theory, um, it resonates differently. Oh, good. I'm really glad to hear you say that yeah. because <laughs> I'm going to follow your model. That's exactly, that's exactly the intention. So beyond social and talking about social, you're also on a TV show called Social Movement. Yes. Where... Are you ready for this? <laughs> Tell me about it. This is so good. Now, again, who I don't know how this is going to affect our production schedule because we're supposed to film this July. So I'm really hoping this goes ahead. Um, the Social Movement will be in its second season. It airs on Amazon Prime and it is... 40 or 50 experts in their field from across the world coming together in one location. And all of the people there are broken down into teams by expertise and given a real world problem to solve. So I know in season one, uh, it was how to stop a hurricane, how to educate people about heart disease. I know for season two, we're looking at how to revamp the education system, how to stop a pandemic, incidentally, like how to, how <laughs> oh to, oh my gosh, the yeah. irony. 
I know how to provide wireless uh, internet to like everyone, how to make it accessible to everyone. So real life problems that we are experiencing here and now. Mm. We solve the problem as a team. And then at the end of the show, we pitch our solution to a team of investors who actually have the financial means to implement the solution. So it's this like intention-centered reality TV show. Um, It is, I don't don't even have the right words. Like I am so excited for this because it's so high impact. Um, Even, I can't ever say his last name, Brett Favre, the like famous uh, quarterback from the Mm -hmm. NFL, he sent us all a message telling us like how proud he was of the Aww. team for kind of it's i think it's such a big deal i think it has such lasting change and i'm really really jazzed to be a part of it that is exciting so is this something they approached you with did you apply for it i applied i, I saw a call out and i applied yeah which is you know so true to brand so true to character it's like there's there's no one going to tell me that i can't apply for this there's no reason that i wouldn't be selected and here you are <laughs> season 2 Let's just wing it. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. It's pretty much how I live my life. <laughs> exactly. When when you do that, you just you know it's like, how did you get this? Oh, I applied for it. You know, I have a friend who runs like a million dollar company, like a, a backpack and lunch bag company, mm-hmm. and she has she sells her stuff at Nordstrom, Anthropology, Indigo, and many years ago when I was kind of just starting out, I was like how did you do that? She was like, you're never going to believe this. I picked up the phone and I called them. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, it's revolutionary. (laughs) Oh no, but I get it. I mean, I, well, people will ask me, especially because I'm starting to get on more stages. Say, how did you get into public speaking? How did you become a TEDx speaker? I'm like, dude, I literally just looked for the call for speakers and I sent my application and it's not rocket science. Yeah, I know, but, but it, it, it's taking that, you know, the inspiration field is starting to really bother me because I think it's now selling people only on a dream. And I want to sell people on change, like, right. Like work with me if you want to have like inspired change and you, you do that, you take your inspiration and you put it into action. And it's like, that's, that's the essential. Like you can buy inspiration. Like you can buy alcohol. Like now what do we do with it? That makes it actually change your life. Oh, you're speaking my language. That is my (laughs) sweet spot. It's like, I'm not here to just inspire and motivate. Like you want to actually put foot to pavement and make some real changes and see a difference. Then we'll talk. (laughs) Totally. And you know, I'm not a hype squad, just like you. Like I'm, I'm not a hype squad. I'm not here just to sell you on the belief. I'm here to sell you on like, okay, what doesn't work? How do we change mm. that? I have a, I'm Dutch and uh, I have this like Dutch practicality and I'm a Taurus. So it's like this super combination of like very practical hands-on skills, but how <laughs> do we make them change? Like, what do we do? Cool. What are we doing next? Yeah. Which is honestly what a lot of people need. And I, mm. I have become a lot more sympathetic because even just backpedaling what I just said and like, you know, you just find, you find the application form and you just do it. It's so common sense. I don't even have to think about it, but it's just not the way a lot of people Mm -hmm. live their lives and everything seems so out of reach until you start doing your homework. And oftentimes it's, it's the early days of just, okay, let's unpack this. What's necessary. How can I help? Which makes such a huge difference because it just seems insurmountable when you're at the bottom of the mountain. Totally, totally. And it is, it's step-by-step step and moment-by-moment. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the the release and the clearing work that I do using NLP strategies or NLP techniques rather 
helps with that because when you're stuck in the, like, I could never do this, Mm. there's that pervasive fear. That's like, that's right. If you do this, you're going to die. And so I can help people shift out of that to be like, okay, well, what would it be like if I did apply for this? You know, what would it be like if I did apply? What would it be like if I didn't apply? Well, if, you know, circling back, if we're approaching everything with like, oh my God, I think I might be rejected. Therefore, I think I will be dead. That means I can't apply to be a TEDx speaker because I think I will die if they, if I don't, you know, like, and we're not processing any of that consciously. That's just happening internally that we don't even know. So if you can shift out of that and release that very old story, that very old belief that like, no, you're allowed to have nice things. Like you're allowed to do what makes you feel really good. You're allowed to use your voice. Then we can do that first step of like, all right, what would it be like if you just applied? And then you apply and maybe you get it, maybe you don't. So maybe you try again. And it's like these incremental baby steps, but you still have to take the first step, right? Yeah. Big time. How can people best connect with you? I'm sure that after listening, they're going to say, we need more lease in our life. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, My website, is leasewilcox.ca. I'm on Instagram at leasewilcox. Same thing with my YouTube channel. Um, having a really unusual name has really given me a leg up on the <laughs> social media world. Like every social platform is just leasewilcox. But Instagram and my website are the best ways. Oh, so as a kid, you didn't get the like keychain with the names on it. But as an adult, you get all the social handles and URLs you need. <laughs> You nailed it. Yes, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Amazing. I'll make sure to drop those in the show notes as well because the spelling is quite original as well. So just in case you're listening and you need a little help with that, those will be there. Lise, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing just a snippet of your story with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.